smells Jesus-y. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We are the aroma of Christ. God has spoken in many ways. Welcome to Smells Jesus-y, a podcast from Three Crosses Church. Today we start a new series in Philippians. Matt Waldron speaks to us from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, Confidence in Christ. Here's Matt. Well, good morning again. Let me ask you, how are you feeling about life following Jesus? Perhaps you've turned to follow Jesus, but you're not really sure what to do next. Perhaps you're not sure if you want to follow Jesus because you're not sure what that involves. Perhaps you've been following Jesus for a while and it's just time for a checkup. Perhaps you're feeling following Jesus and just feeling tired. Perhaps you're following Jesus and you want to help other people follow Jesus. Perhaps you're following Jesus, but you're frustrated with other followers of Jesus. Well, the book of Philippians is a great book for all of us because it simply and clearly explains how believing in Jesus shapes living for Jesus. It explains the relationship between believing in Jesus and living for Jesus, again and again from different uh, perspectives. So because of Jesus, we know God loves us, so that changes us to love each other. Because of Jesus, we know God provides for us, so we can be content. Because of Jesus, we know God will never give up on us, and so we can be confident. So we're going to start looking at these themes as we work through the book of Philippians. Just an introductory side note, I'm deliberately going to be dividing up the book of Philippians over the next few weeks uh, using the same sections as the course Discipleship Explored. You don't have to use this, I'm particularly expecting you to do, uh, but it's a great resource. I just want to let you know about it if you if you do want it. There's a series of videos, there's the study books, there's questions, supplementary Bible readings for personal reflection or discussion. So uh, you can always Google it or talk to me about it afterwards if you want to know more. Uh, so you don't have to use Discipleship Explore, but if you wanted to, uh, you could use it to work through Philippians yourself uh, as we're going through it week by week or to share Philippians with somebody else. So let's dive in. Because of Jesus, we know God will never give up on us so we can be confident. So the book of Philippians starts like this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul says that he prays for the Philippians with joy because of his confidence that he who began a good work in you will carry it on. Uh, A paragraph later, he's updating them on his personal situation and he's saying that he's chained up, which they already know, uh, but he's giving them the details of that. In verse 14 he says, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
Uh, in the second half of chapter 2, he's telling them his plan to send Timothy, another Christian leader, to visit them. And he says in verses 23 to 24, I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Paul's under house arrest. He doesn't know how it's going to end, but he's feeling confident because of Jesus. Then at the start of chapter 3, he reminds them not to put confidence in the wrong things. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. So this, this goes through the whole book of Philippians, especially the first sort of half. But this morning we're just going to look at the first paragraph. Why is Paul so confident? Well, firstly, because God finishes what he starts. Secondly, because God included us in his love. And thirdly, because God's love is wise. God finishes what he starts. God included us in his love. And God's love is wise. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, that'd be great. I'm going to be reading Philippians chapter 1 from verse 4. Firstly, God finishes what he starts. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul has been arrested. Things are heating up for Christians in the Roman Empire at this time. And Philippi was a place that was pretty hot anyway. Uh, Paul had previously been arrested there. Paul personally knows and loves the Christians in Philippi, so he's praying for them as they face those pressures. And how does he feel about that? Well, no doubt he's concerned, but his primary feeling is not worry, but joy. Partly that's because he knows they're reliable partners, but the basis of his joy in their partnership is his confidence in God. Right? Listen to how verses 5 and 6 connect together. I always pray with joy, verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So in a nutshell, Paul's joy in his relationship to the Philippian Christians is not because they're so great, though as it happens they are pretty great, but his confidence is because God is so great. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Paul is confident because God finishes what he starts. Uh, the Old Testament has lots of examples of God showing himself to be this way. God led Abraham and Sarah to leave their home to start a new nation. God promised the nation would be descended from them but they were unable to have children, and they were past childbearing age. It was laughable. But Sarah got pregnant and gave birth to a son named Isaac, which means laughter. And from their family, the nation of Israel was descended. God finishes what he starts. But the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. God spoke to Moses from a burning bush on a mountain and told him to go rescue the Israelites. And Moses said, I can't do that. And God said, I'll be with you and bring you back here to worship me. 
And when Moses led the people out of Egypt, they went back to the mountain and God appeared to all of them. Uh, like the burning bush, but on a much grander scale, because God finishes what he starts. God gave the Israelites the land he'd promised Abraham. He promised to lead them and protect them as their king, but they wanted a human king, basically, so they could manipulate the king, I think. But, uh, but God gave them David, a king who would lead them in following God, the real king. Right? God finished what he started. And the Israelites kept rebelling against God until he sent other nations to conquer them and take them back into slavery. But God promised he was going to use this to discipline them and teach them and that he would rescue them again and that they would still be sinful, but he would still work through them to save the world by sending Jesus, who died to take the punishment for our sin and rose to life again as the beginning of the new life we all need. God finishes what he starts. So this is what God is like. God is reliable. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving. Nothing can stop his plans. God finishes what he starts. But there are a number of obstacles that can get in the way of us feeling confident about that. Uh, we live in a society where it's estimated about one in eight of us experience some form of abuse as a child. Only half of children make it to the age of 17, living with both their biological parents. Of course, none of these circumstances are the fault of the child, and in some cases, it's no one's fault. But a huge proportion of us are deeply disappointed, if not violently betrayed, by the people close to us. Uh, if that's you, that's not your fault. And it might mean you don't feel confident that God will finish what he starts. But he still will. So that brings us to our experience of God. God finishes what he starts, but what has he started? Paul writes to the Philippian Christians and encourages them. God has included us in his love. Look at Philippians 1, 7-9. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul says it is right for him to have this joy and confidence because he has the Philippians in his heart. What does that mean? Well, at very least, he longs for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul says that he has this wholehearted affection for them, ultimately because of Jesus. And he also says they share in God's grace with him. So in verse 9, he doesn't pray that they will get the love that comes from knowing God. He prays that they will grow in that love that they already have. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. It's a love they already have. He prays that it'll abound more and more, that they'll grow. This love will grow in knowledge and depth of insight. So he's not just praying about love in a general way. Uh, our society often talks about love in a very general way of what is love, 
We don't know, but we all agree it's a good thing. Pink, fluffy warmness. Right? Uh, he's, he's quite specific what he means. Uh, Paul is praying that this love will produce the righteousness that comes from Christ to the glory of God. That's what he goes on in the prayer to say. So it's not just love in whatever way you want to make up or whatever feelings you have. It's love in a relationship with God that ultimately honours God and produces the kind of life in treating other people the way that pleases God. So the people Paul was writing to were people who shared in the grace of God with Paul. They were people who loved as a result of knowing God. They already had turned to trust in Jesus. They believed that God had loved them in Jesus, in sending Jesus. And so that had already changed them to love God and love other people differently. And so because God has included the Philippians and Paul in his love, Paul is confident God's going to finish what he started. He started including us in his love. He's going to keep including us in his love. Paul was, uh, as many of you would know, formerly known as Saul, and he traveled around persecuting Christians. He was hoping he was going to be the guy who was going to stamp out Christianity. And he uh, supervised executions, well, ex I say executions, uh, mob murders is probably more precise. So when he first met Jesus, his big achievement was not killing the next Christian he met, holding that in. So Saul was not obvious loving God and loving people material. But God included Paul in his love. Paul went to Philippi the first time that he visited because God gave him a dream, uh, basically telling him to go there and tell them the message of Jesus. And uh, Paul fronted up and started telling people the gospel, and a woman named Lydia became a Christian. Uh, pretty much just as simple as that, it seems, from the way the book of Acts tells the story. God just included Lydia in his love. Paul was persecuted in Philippi, thrown in jail, but then God used that to save the jailer and his whole family. Weird evangelistic strategy, but it worked. God was including people in his love. Sometimes it was amazing. Sometimes it was ordinary. Sometimes it was messy. But Paul could see in his life, in the lives of the Philippians, God was including people in his love, bringing them into a relationship with him, trusting Jesus. And Paul knows that God finishes what he starts. That's why Paul is confident in his relationship with God, in the relationship with God that the Philippians have. That's why he's confident in the Philippians. So what about us? What about me? What about you? Uh, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you've come to believe in Jesus then you have eternal life. It's like it's already happened because God will finish what he started in including you in his love. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've become in rebelling against God, God's love reaches to us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him.
Uh, if you've come to believe in Jesus, God has not only forgiven your sin, He has given you new life to live through Jesus. So, uh, if you believe these things, uh, those parts of the Bible, regardless of how they've been explained to you, if you believe in Jesus, who He is and what He's done, if you're trusting Jesus, you're following Jesus, no matter how imperfectly, then God has included you in His love. Your experience might be amazing or ordinary or simple or messy. Your experience might be kind of very straightforward or full of ups and downs and sidetracks. But if you're trusting Jesus and doing your best to follow Him, God has included you in His love and God finishes what He starts. But what if you're not following Jesus? Could be all sorts of reasons. But we need to know the truth about this. It appears to me the Bible's very clear that God's plan is not to save everyone. God will finish what He started. God does promise to save everyone who trusts in Jesus. But God never says He expects everyone to turn to Jesus. On the contrary, the Bible repeatedly warns us that there will be plenty of people who reject God's love, who refuse to listen, and who will be swallowed by self-deception, punished for their sin forever. That is ultimately part of the plan too. And God will finish what He started. We've got a massive responsibility. Each of us needs to respond to God's love. Well, that brings us to the third reason Paul is confident. Love is not naive. Love is not wishful thinking. Love is wise. Love is not just positive rhetoric and crossing your fingers. God loves everyone. Just be nice to everyone. Think positive thoughts. God's love warns us that if we don't trust God's love, we'll be excluded from all His good gifts forever. And so, love is wise, love is discerning, love is smart. Look how Philippians 1, 9 to 11 put it. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Uh, God has included us in His love. We might feel like that's nice for us, but we don't want to be too loving. You know, a bit of love is good, but maybe too much love seems soft or weak or impractical. Sometimes it seems like loving some people would be naive. Being loving in politics doesn't work. But Jesus says, love your enemies. He wasn't, he wasn't naive about what was going to happen because he kept loving people. He wasn't kidding himself and just giving out some positive vibes when he said, love your enemies. He saw it through. 
Jesus was raised up as God's king through the process of crucifixion. Jesus loved people enough to warn them they were going to hell. Jesus looked at a man and loved him and said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have. God's love is not soft or weak or naive. Love is wise and discerning and it works. Love is not acting loving to try and uh, I don't know, impress people or win their love. Love is not just giving people what they want. Love is not always being nice. Love is neither following what's popular nor determinately following what's unpopular. <laughs> love for others is not an excuse to be controlled by our own fears of whether they're going to love us. Right? Love is not weak. Love is discerning what is best. So we all need to grow in love like that. God finishes what he starts. He started by including us in his love, and God's love is wise. Well, I'm sure a lot of you know this story. About uh, 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Paul was traveling through the Roman Empire, spreading the message of Jesus. Uh, he visited Ephesus and ended up staying there for two years, preaching and teaching. So the message was passed around the whole province. Uh, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs that had touched him were taken to the sick and they were healed. Now, in this uh, time and place, superstition was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Everybody did it. Uh, one way that was popularly expressed was buying tiny little scrolls with magic incantations written on them and wearing them on necklaces. That was a pretty normal thing to do in this time and place. So in the time that Paul was preaching in Ephesus, so many people believed in Jesus that one day a bunch of them got together to burn their magic scrolls, to, to encourage each other, we've left that behind. We're not being superstitious anymore, we're trusting Jesus. Our confidence is now in Jesus, not grasping for these superstitions to try and make us feel confident. Uh, there were so many people with so many scrolls that when they burnt them, it was estimated that to buy those scrolls would take about 130 years of wages. So today it would be like, like $11 million worth. Not sur surprisingly, other people noticed. Uh, and started to get worried about the economic implications of Christianity particularly the craftsmen who made the tiny scrolls. So a bunch of them took to the streets to, uh, to protest about you know, Christians taking over the city. And they got a bunch of people kind of worried about this and were basically on the verge of starting a riot. They seized a couple of Paul's associates and took them to the city's central place of meeting. Uh, there was uproar and confusion, different people shouting different things. Uh, some people didn't even know why they were there. They just kind of got caught up in the crowd. 
uh, one Jewish man tried to calm them down, but when they realized he was a Jew, they felt like that was too close to Christianity, and so they took up this chant of loyalty to the city for two hours. They're just chanting the same thing for two hours. Try reasoning with that. So what did Paul do? Paul wanted to appear before the crowd. They're basically baying for his blood. They're just chanting so you, they can't hear anything else anyone's saying, and Paul's solution is, let me talk to them. Well, the rest of the Christian disciples don't let Paul talk to the crowd. Even some of the officials of the pro province send messages to Paul begging him not to inflame things further by turning up. Just don't go. Well, like all of us, Paul was not perfect. But I don't think you could accuse him of cowardice. Right? Paul had incredible confidence. I think confidence is something we want. It's certainly something that advertisers tell us we can buy. Whether it's in the form of makeup or hair care, one of the kind of slogans is, you know, this will, this will make you confident. You know, it could be deodorant or dental treatment. Uh, if you're a bit older, maybe, health insurance or maybe some kind of life coaching program. And even, it, it doesn't matter how kind of superficial these products are, Advertising will tell us sincerely that it's not, it's not shallow, it's not superficial, because it'll change how you feel. Right? It's not just about creating a superficial... No, no, it'll make you confident. So that's, that has real significance. Uh, you know, there was an ad not that long ago that told you uh, to get their product and enjoy the confidence. Uh, I think the more recent adverts, they don't use that word so much, but it's still, you know, people feeling nervous... Don't feel nervous because you've got our product or service. I'm not going to quote the specifics, you know, but if you can't think of one, ask me afterwards and I'll help you think of five. So what was the source of Paul's confidence? What was the confidence that meant so many Christians in Ephesus no longer needed to rely on the products the rest of their society did to try and feel confident? Well, it's, it's the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we know God finishes what He starts. We know we've been included in God's love. And we know God's love, real love, is wise. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much that You finish what You start and that You have included each of us in Your love. Father, I pray for anyone here who... Uh, hasn't turned to trust in Jesus, that you would help them to seek the truth because you promised that when we seek the truth, you show us it. Uh, and Father, thank you that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we know your love is extended to all who turn and trust in him. And thank you we also see that uh, despite how counterintuitive it might be to love our enemies, to give ourselves up for others, to... Uh, uh, be gentle when others are being violent. Thank you that in Jesus' resurrection, we see that your love really works. Your love really is wise. Help us to each grow in discerning what is best. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Uh, we've got some uh, morning tea available. Please stay and uh, hang out together. Uh, you might like to have a conversation with someone you talk to about uh, what sort of things encourage you to feel confident in Jesus and what sort of things discourage you from feeling confident in Christ. And if you come up with a couple of things, they'd be great things to pray for each other with. Thanks.